Welcome and a Happy New Year from St James, a Scottish Episcopal Church in Leith. This podcast is an edited recording of our Sunday morning service from January 7th, 2024. For news and information, and to find out how to join us, please visit stjamesleith.org.uk. In this very moment, the star still beckons. Gather us and let the star call us in new ways of healing and hope, restoration and renewal, as we discover again Christ's call to discipleship. Amen. Amen. So in the silence, we'll have the candle lit. And listen to the prayer ball. Should we stand for our first song? Revealed to us by the wise men. Forgive us when we fear the other. Lord, have mercy. Forgive us when we do not make the effort to journey to the end, but give up disheartened. Christ, have mercy. Forgive us when we do not lay our gifts down, but want to keep them for ourselves. Lord, Lord, have mercy. Amen. Let us stand for the Gloria. Gloria, Gloria, Gloria. Glory be to God on high. Gloria, Gloria, Gloria. Glory be to God on high. And on earth, peace to the people in whom God is well Glory, 
first reading, please sit, is The Journey of the Magi by T.S. Eliot. And Naomi's going to read it from home, Naomi Rice. The Journey of the Magi by T.S. Eliot. A cold coming we had of it. Just the worst time of year for a journey and such a long journey. The ways deep and the weather sharp, the very dead of winter. And the camels galled, sore-footed, refractory, lying down in the melting snow. There were times we regretted the summer palaces on slopes, the terraces and the silken girls bringing sherbet. Then the camelmen cursing and grumbling and running away and wanting their liquor and women and the night fires going out and the lack of shelters and the cities hostile and the towns unfriendly and the villages dirty and charging high prices. A hard time we had of it. At the end, we preferred to travel all night, sleeping in snatches with the voices singing in our ears, saying that this was all folly. Then at dawn, we came down to a temperate valley, wet, below the snow line, smelling of vegetation, with a running stream and a watermill beating the darkness, and three trees on the low sky, and an old white horse galloped away in the meadow. Then we came to a tavern with vine leaves over the lintel, Six hands at an open door, dicing for pieces of silver, and feet kicking the empty wineskins. But there was no information, and so we continued, and arrived at evening, not a moment too soon, finding the place. It was, you may say, satisfactory. All this was a long time ago, I remember, and I would do it again, but set down this, set down this where we led all that way for birth or death. There was a birth, certainly, we had evidence and no doubt. I had seen birth and death, but had thought they were different. This birth was hard and bitter agony for us, like death, our death. We returned to our places, these kingdoms, but no longer at ease here in the old dispensation with an alien people clutching their gods. I should be glad of another death. Today's Gospel is taken from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. Glory to Christ our Saviour. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, asking, Where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising, and have come to pay him homage. 
When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that, he, that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another route. This is the gospel, good news for all. Praise to you, O Christ. Let us pray. Loving God, as we enter a new year, we ask that you would be with us individually and collectively to experience something new of you to go deeper in our journey of faith so open our hearts this morning give us courage to walk with you amen so first of all wish you all a happy happy new year thank you uh, this wonderful we have this wonderful story uh, of the Magi, which has sort of taken on a life of its own, uh, with three kings that are never mentioned in the Bible, um, not even three actually, but uh, it's sort of uh, very much part um, of the Christmas story. And it has so many layers of symbolism, and I think if we're to really get to the meaning, uh, we need to look at it almost like a, a parable. That's not to say it didn't happen, but if we want to, to really um, see how it might help us inform us on our own faith journeys, life journeys, both individually and collectively, um, I want to just sort of pick uh, some things from this story to see how it might help us. And I would like to say that we often interpret things uh, individually, but I also want us to think about it not only for ourselves, but also collectively as a St. James community. So the first thing to say is the Magi uh, in our story uh, were not kings. Um, the word literally translated is seekers of wisdom. And the wisdom tradition in the Old Testament would be another way of saying 
seeking God, seeking wisdom. Uh, Sophia, the Holy Spirit, really uh, was part of that wisdom tradition. And it was, the wisdom tradition was wider than uh, the Jews. It, it was the wisdom tradition for all people. So these magi were most likely astrologists, or they'd be the sort of scientists of their time, desiring to go deeper in their search for truth, their search for wisdom, and their search for God. So they're clearly willing to travel a long distance in their searching. And that wonderful poem by T.S. Eliot gives a sense of that, the hardness and the difficulty of their journey. But most significantly, they are willing to leave the comforts and security of their home, both geographically, but also metaphorically. They're willing to cross boundaries, enter new territories, constantly experiencing new things, new ways of being, new ways of communicating, and new ways of thinking. If you've ever spent time in a, new, a, a different country, you'll realize how differently they see the world, especially if it's somewhere like India or somewhere that's very uh, different from our European culture. So crossing boundaries, moving on a journey, takes courage and it involves risk. And as I said, Eliot's reading that Naomi uh, read perfectly illustrates how arduous um, this journey can be. So I'll read a little bit uh, uh, of that poem again. A cold coming we had of it, just the worst time of year. For a journey, <clears throat> and such a long journey, the ways deep and the weather sharp, the very dead of winter. And it goes on to say, and the lack of shelter, and the cities hostile, and the towns unfriendly and the villages dirty and charging high prices. A hard time we had of it. And at the end, we preferred to travel all night, sleeping in snatches with the voices singing in our ears, saying that this was all folly. But despite the hardship, the Magi and their entourage carry on. The excitement and the pull of the star keeps some traveling onwards. And I think the first lesson is to follow our star, God invites us to leave home, to leave our comfort zones where we're effectively in cruise control, individually and collectively. This is because God is so much larger than the arena that we live our lives in. So if we want to experience, uh, widen our experience, deepen our experience of God, we need to move outwards. And as they journey, our Magi trust their intuition. And I think that's important that we trust those intuitive prompt, prompt, uh, promptings, that still small voice. And I think our intuition is really another word for the Holy Spirit. We're really listening to our intuition. And intuition is partly symbolized by the star, but also in a dream where they are warned about returning to Herod. So the star represents a profound inner yearning and uh, what Danielle McLeod called a deep purpose. 
something in which we are willing to surrender our lives to, something that motivates us, something that we want to give our heart and soul to, and that we're willing, that we willingly choose to devote our energy to. And it gives us a, a center, a focus, a purpose to work towards and to work from. And for us, it, our faith, the Christ child, and all that he embodies, that hope for a new world, that Prince of Peace and Justice, this is the center that we seek. So the story asks us a, a number of questions. What and who are we seeking? What and who is our star? What is our deep purpose? Where and who do we want to give ourselves to? And where and whom do we want to lay down our gifts for? These again are questions for both us individually and also for a community. And these wise seekers journey with gifts for they know that by bringing gifts, they will receive. And pastorally, people from time to time do come to me, and, and if you are a, a priest or a, a rector or a vicar in the church, I'm sure you've been asked this same question, and they'll say, the church doesn't feed me. And sometimes they're dead right. Uh, there are probably reasons why the church doesn't feed them, and there might be reasons why they might need to move on. But often they come from a perspective of wanting to receive without any intention of giving, of bringing their gifts, what I call a sort of consumer mentality. And I think actually they lose out incredibly. And that's why the participation in the life of the community isn't just good for the community. The community doesn't just receive the gifts of the person but it is actually good for, for the participants. As they give, they receive. So the journey of these seekers of wisdom, of God, of Christ, I believe is one of <clears throat> opening our hearts to love more deeply, to love more widely, and to love more recklessly. And it's a journey of increasing inclusivity. That's why I feel that the value of inclusivity is so important. And it's a journey that Jesus took, it's a journey that Peter took, it's a journey that Paul took. If you look at their lives through the Gospels, you'll see this move to increasing uh, inclusivity, this widening of love. And in our story, Matthew is writing to the Jews with a view of moving them from a tribal religion by showing them that God is bigger than just uh, for the Jewish people. That God is also the God of the Gentiles, <coughs> a God also of pagans from the East, for these Magi would have been considered pagans, a God of the poor, symbolized by the shepherds, but also for the Magi, the rich, the educated, and the cultured. This <coughs> is the journey that seekers of God go on. And I delight that in St. James we have many seekers. And for me, uh, this is the core of what the Heretics Group and the Open Room Group is all about. It's about journeying with others, hearing others' experiences, sharing 
doubts, sharing, uh, looking at questions. And rather than it weaken faith, it actually makes faith more authentic, makes it more real, and it makes it more communal. And this journey of widening inclusivity seems to be a common journey, especially for those who have started in what I rather crudely uh, label from an evangelical tradition, with a set of beliefs which puts clear boundaries about who's in and who is out. And I might add that I don't think this is a bad place to start, because it has often a very solid grounding. But I'm not sure, and, and many merits, but I would argue that it's not probably the best place to get stuck in. Um, and I'd also actually, where, wherever you are, it's, it's not a good place to really be stuck. That's why it's important to continue journeying and seeing our faith as a journey. Because like water in a river, we are liable to stagnate. So instead, we should continue a lifelong journey, bowing before and moving into the mystery of God, of following Christ, because like most religious groups, whether Catholic, Muslim, Jew, or Christian, we often create our sense of belonging by eliminating the opposition. And I think there is a temptation to be part of a group that forms its identity against others. And I, I'll give you an example. Uh, coming to Scotland, I've been to a number of uh, Church of Scotland churches, and they have these huge pulpits. I mean, if you walk up into the pulpits, you'll almost get vertigo looking down. And I'm saying, so what's all that about? What, what are these huge, huge um, Pulpits, and I might be wrong, but I think it's probably a statement, isn't it? It's saying the word of God is more important than the Eucharist. It's a kind of um, uh, a statement against uh, Catholicism. And I think more subtle, uh, when I was in Sheffield, uh, we had a new bishop of Sheffield that came from an evangelical tradition, and a number of us sort of from an Anglo-Catholic tradition, we kind of got together because we felt we were being a bit kind of marginalized in the diocese. And so we created this group. And th then I realized that quite subtly we were doing the same thing. We actually, we called us sort of progressive. And I thought, well, the word progressive actually suggests that other people aren't progressive. I mean, it's... it's it, 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 it's, and actually, we were forming our group against the evangelical group and doing exactly the same that was happening to us. And I think what was important uh, is that we actually don't um, have our identity against something. We just really go uh, for, for what we're for. Um, and of course, at its most extreme, this literal elimination of the opposition, we're seeing uh, in our story, we see that Herod wants to eliminate the Christ child. We also saw it in the Second World War, the Nazis wanted to eliminate the Jews during World War II. And now I have to say, we're seeing it in Palestine, Israel now, where the Israeli, present Israeli government want to eliminate the Palestinian people from Gaza and other occupied 
territories. And you can see it in our politics, the easy way, the easy way to get people to belong is to have something to go against. And uh, at, at its most extreme, extreme, it has terrible, terrible consequences. So our authentic journey should be about what we are for. And an authentic journey towards God involves no elimination of the other, but an awakening that nobody is excluded from God's love. They might exclude themselves or they might be excluded by others, but God's love is universal. The star is a universal symbol that everybody can see in the sky. And this is a journey where I, I know, having pastorally talked to people, many people here have been on. Because they start to ask questions uh, that arise when they meet a person they have encountered who they respect, who they like, who they even grow to love, who is considered to be outside of God's love. And often when they encounter the goodness of a person, of another, say, sexual orientation, of another person of a faith tradition, or a non-believer, they begin to question that they are excluded from the love of God. And I've said many times, talked about my experience in India, where this was my big change in faith, where I went to an evangelical mission, and it was just full of fear, and very little love, and I left that and ended up with this Hindu dance group that just took me in and loved me back into life. And in my head I'm thinking, my, my belief system saying they, they don't know Christ, they should, be out, they should be outside the circle, and the evangelical group uh, should be in the circle. I mean, what's going on here? And uh, that's when I, I began to really... Uh, reconstruct my theology and, and looking uh, at the Bible and seeing actually that Christ's love is much more universal and loves both the evangelical and the Hindu dance group. So a gradual softening of heart towards those who are different leads to conversion and change, a realization that God's love is not confined to people just like us. And a new birth comes about, creating a new sense of freedom, a new sense of joy and peace. And the Magi in our story were overwhelmed with joy when they met the Christ child and they bowed down before the mystery of God. And as Eliot so powerfully puts it, to experience this new birth, a death needs to happen. I'll just read uh, a little bit of the poem again. But set this down. Were we led all that way for birth or death? There was a birth, certainly. We had evidence and no doubt. I had seen birth and death, but had thought they were different. This birth was hard and bitter agony for us, like death, our death. We return to our palaces, these kingdoms, but no longer at ease here in the old dispensation with an alien people clutching their gods. I should be glad of another death. 
And notice how the journey in Eliot's poem is not linear, it's not going from one place, it's actually quite circular. And we often end up back in the same place that we were earlier, but somehow we're different. And that's certainly the case in, in my life. I sort of end up pretty much where I had been, but then I'm somehow very, very different. So birth and death are inseparable. And I think this part of the journey is why the journey is uh, so hard, because we don't really like to die to old ways. Our egos don't like to change or admit that we might have been wrong. We want to hold on to the kingdoms, the queendoms, where we are in control. But the reality is that nothing new can happen unless we are willing to let go of the old. Otherwise, everything continues as before. And I think this is why individuals or communities don't grow and why many church communities stagnate. They're afraid of change. Pope Francis, I remember uh, eight, about eight years ago, gave quite a, a strong speech to his cardinals, very courageous speech. And, and what, part of it, he said, you had better get over your fear of change, otherwise you will be unprepared to speak to a world which is changing rapidly. And I think that's part of the churches worldwide, that the, the world is changing and the church doesn't quite keep up. I want to say uh, that doesn't mean we change with the world because the, the, the church needs to be countercultural. And it's important that we believe in and we continue to hold on to some things. But these need to be understood within a bigger framework. Otherwise, we're in danger of repeating patterns that no longer fit our context or have relevance. If we are to experience a new year, if we are to sing a new song this year, we need to let go of parts of the old year. Our journeys are much more about are as much about subtraction as addition, as much about letting go as filling up. And as Eliot said, I had seen birth and death, but they thought they were different. Eliot realized that birth and death came as one. There can be no birth without some sort of death, no resurrection without the cross. And my prayer for us as a community and for me and for us as individuals that we have the courage to leave our comfort zones, we have the courage to let go of certain things, that we have the courage to follow our intuitions and we have that we do travel and journey deeper into the mystery of God and bow down before the mystery of God. And uh, my prayer is, as I said, that we do, all of us, that we are renewed and that we are able to sing a new song this year. Amen. We're thinking today very much about journeys in Scripture and how they teach us we should travel. And when I was thinking about this, another one came to mind, which will be pretty obvious as we go through. 
which was the journey to Emmaus. Uh, we're going to start this, this prayer just with a couple of minutes of stopping and thinking about our own lives. There are some questions up there uh, which may, be, may or may not be helpful. How do I feel about the point I've reached in my journey? What have I learned about myself in the last year? How do I think God is challenging me this year? And the critical question, which is always very difficult, is what's the first step? Because uh, that's, that's always, it's always very difficult to think what's the first thing you've got to do? So we just, for a couple of minutes, uh, if any of those are helpful, use them. If not, don't worry. Uh, we'll just spend a couple of minutes thinking about our own lives and, as the journey. And I'll just draw it to a close after two or three minutes. As we reflect on our own journeys, we thank you for walking with us through the times of fear and abandonment and through the distractions of success. You have been with us even when we did not feel your presence or recognize it in the face of others. You still draw near as you did to the disciples on the way to Emmaus. They recognized you when you broke the bread. Show us yourself today as we share the bread and wine together. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for peace in our world, remembering the Middle East. We pray for a, an end to the killing in Gaza and elsewhere, and a realistic plan for the future of Gaza's people. We pray for living peace between communities, not a desert created by violence. And we pray also for the people of Ukraine struggling through winter under constant bombardment and others fleeing conflict from Sudan to Yemen. Give peace in our time, we pray. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We remember the people of Leith facing their own challenges in 2024. And we pray for this church as it seeks to clarify its role. Give wisdom to our leaders, to Ian and the Vestry as they navigate the way ahead. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And we remember all those known to us whose dark journey is causing them current pain. And for all those who are facing dramatic changes as families or working patterns or lives reshape, help us to walk with friends who face challenges, not judging and not trying to fix things, simply drawing alongside 
and accompanying them. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Finally, we pray that like the wise men, we shall have the courage to see our journey forward as one whose goal is to bring us closer to you. Amen. thanksgiving be to you most loving father in Jesus the Messiah you have come to us our hope is built on him in whom you are well pleased having been shown to the world as your beloved son he proclaimed the good news of your kingdom the blind received their sight the lame walked the lepers were cleansed and the captives set free at his word water became wine the hungry were filled with bread and the dead were raised 
before he was given up to suffering and death at supper with his disciples, he took bread and offered you thanks. He broke the bread and gave it to them, saying, Take, eat. This is my body. It is broken for you. And after supper, he took the cup, he offered you thanks, and he gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant. It is poured out for you and for all that sins may be forgiven. Do this in remembrance of me. Draw near with faith, receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he gave for you, and the blood which he shed for you. Eat and drink in remembrance of he died for you, and feed on him in your hearts by faith and thanksgiving. Loving God, thank you for feeding us with your body and blood. We ask that you would guide us, that you would give us a star to follow so that we can journey deeper into you and deeper with you so that our hearts are opened to love more deeply, to love more widely, and to, <coughs> to love more recklessly. Amen. May the grace of God uphold you, the peace of God surround you, the love of God flow from you, and the strength of God protect you.
Amen.